You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. I've got a daughter that is hopefully, I don't know what else I need to do, going to be going to U of H in in the fall. Yeah. Go Cougars? Something, I don't know. I don't care. I may be going to some football games, but that's, that's just beside the point. But so listen, and so I'm like, as a dad, I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're, we're way past clean your room. You're right? Come on, parents. You been there? Uh, we're way past like, hey, be kind. Now we're going into survival mode, right? And so if you would, if you've been there in your life, John 15, 16, and 17 are exactly that conversation Jesus is having with his disciples, And I want to set a bit of context for you in helping to understand Jesus' heart so that we get the truth of why God, Jesus, wants us to be connected. Why it's important for us to be connected. Because in John 16, Jesus does this, and I, I love, I love, love, love Jesus when he does this. Because Jesus does this, this move. Or you can just imagine him talking and walking, and they're talking, they're, they're walking a little bit more, and it's just kind of quiet, he's looking at him. And he just turns around and said, in a little while I'm going to be gone, in a little while I'm going to come back. Turns around and just keeps walking. And the disciples are like, what did he just say? They huddled up and said, what is, what is he talking about? In a little while he's going to be gone, in a little while he's going to come back. What does that mean? And all of a sudden their hearts are filled with fear. Their hearts are filled with this anxiety and this pressure. What is he talking about? Why is he talking in these terms and and, and using these these illustrations? We don't understand, but he said he's going away. And Jesus knew what he was doing. Because the scripture tells us this, that knowing in his heart, he looked at him and said, are you guys confused because I said in a little while I'm going to be leaving, in a little while I'm going to come back? And they're like, yes, why do you talk to us like this, Jesus? See, Jesus, of course, was talking about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He's saying, listen, you're going to see me go, go before trial. You're going to see me get beaten. You're going to see me put on a tree, and then I'm going to go into the ground. You're not going to see me. But in a few days, you're going to see me again. But see, Jesus was driving home something so much deeper that we have to catch. And this is the context. He said, listen, all the grief that you've experienced in a moment, in a moment, in a moment, when I come, is going to be turned to joy. The disciples are still kind of going, we don't get it. And so he said, let me give it to you like this. A woman who is having a child, when the time comes, she goes through great pain. Men, you don't understand that. We don't understand that. Women, that's you. That's you, and that's why you are awesome. That's why we should celebrate Mother's Day twice a year. Amen. Come on, women. I expect a little bit more than that. That's right, Pastor. Best message ever. But in a moment, when she gives birth to that child, all of that grief disappears. Because she's looking at the loving face of her newborn baby. Here's what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus wasn't confused, but he was trying to bring home something to his disciples. And I've read this a bunch, and it's always kind of like slid past me until the last time I read. Because as I was reading, I just kind of felt a little bit of a nudge from the Holy Spirit and said, Hey, Andy, how many times has Lily, my youngest daughter, when Kim and I leave the house, call us, text us. She's not alone. She's got siblings there. 
Dad, when will you be home? In a little bit, we'll be home in a little bit. Well, when's a little bit, Dad? How long before you get home? See, what she's doing is that she's not wrestling with the truth of my words, but she's wrestling with the proximity of my presence. And so Jesus looks at the disciples and he says this. You don't believe it. He said, but the day is going to come when you see me again that your joy will be complete and I'm not going to speak to you in parables. I'm not going to speak to you hidden. You're going to know in full. Now stop and think. Jesus has ascended to the Father, but yet he says the proximity between him and us is closer than it was with his disciples on the earth. How does that happen? Through the Holy Spirit. When Jesus talks about being connected, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying there is a connection that is so powerful that he wants you to dwell and to live in that it is like he is right here. It's like his peace, his joy, his life is right here. And we've got to live in that place. So Jesus set the principle in John 15. I'm gonna, sometimes I paraphrase, but I, I know there's 17 verses here. I, I want to read just to you guys. And I want you to follow on the be on the screen or you can read them through your Bible. John 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be made even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down, lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus lays out this principle, and I know there's a lot there, but I want to just spend a second and I want to break this principle down to you. It's very simple. The first part of the principle is this, is that Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. No matter how you shape it up, no matter where you look, no matter what you turn to, there is no other life than in Jesus. Jesus is the source of life. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. 
Inevitably, I see people, I talk to people that go down roads apart from Jesus, think that they are finding or in search of life, and they found it, but it's a dead end. Jesus is bringing this, this massive truth, the foundational truth, to abiding in Him, being connected to Him, into full view. And this truth is that, that Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. It only makes sense that we stay connected to Him, doesn't it? It's not, it's not complicated. It's rather simple. See, there's a process to this principle. Jesus goes on and says, the second part of this principle is this, is that the Father, God, actually, He actively protects this life in us. Some of you have experienced this. You have felt things cut off of your life. You felt pruning in your life. There have been times where God has literally grabbed you by the shoulders and said, stop. For some of you, that still needs to happen today. There are things that you're doing that even though you claim to be connected to the life, you are doing outside the scope of the revelation of Jesus as a source of life. And the job of the Father as the gardener, as Jesus says it is this, is the things in our life that are not producing fruit, He clips. We lived in uh, Los Angeles for uh, five years. And we had all these orange and lemon trees in our backyard. It was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. We could go and pick oranges whenever we wanted. I would sometimes go in the backyard and get on the phone talking to people and just do laps around my backyard, picking an orange, peeling it, eating it, like laps and just like throwing them over there. But sometimes what would happen was this, is that I'd get an orange and it wasn't sweet and delicious like it was supposed to be. I tried to bust Jesus and curse it. You know, I didn't do that. But, but, and so I'm like, what is up with my orange tree? You are an orange tree. Give me good oranges. And it took me some time to understand that there is a way to actually prune and take care of your orange tree to ensure that it is producing sweet and delicious fruit. There are times in our life that when there are things that are going askew in us where there's not this, this sense of, of life coming out of us and it's the job of the Father to come in and to prune the areas of us. There's times that we have to refine our love life the way we love people. There's times that we have to refine our peace and our joy, the ability to stay connected to the Father. And so the job of the Father is to come in and to prune that. Why? Because there's something that is supposed to be produced in us, and that is fruit. You are called to bear fruit. You were created to bear fruit. If you're connected to the, the source of life, if you're connected to Jesus, you must bear fruit. But Jesus says this, listen, it's impossible for you to bear fruit on, in your own ability. That's why there's areas of our life that have to be pruned back. There are things, listen, there are times, if I could just be honest and vulnerable to you, that the Holy Spirit comes in and says, you're leaning too much in your own wisdom. It's time to prune that back. You need to look to me. Why? Because some of the fruit dangling off of my life is getting a little bitter and a little stiff. And I have to go back and understand this principle that Jesus talked about is saying, listen, I need to be connected to the source of life. And when I am, the work of the Holy Spirit in me bears good fruit. 
Jesus said the way that we bear good fruit is by obeying Him, walking in obedience. And, and this is a tricky one, isn't it? This is a wee bit tricky, obedience. Because how, how many of you here, don't raise your hand, just look at me like, how many of you here like to obey? <laughs> You're American. You don't. <laughs> Speed limit's 50, you just go, what, 55, right? 50-ish, right? I mean, listen, there are things in us that are not natural that we don't naturally push on. And obedience is one of those things, but here's why you have to obey is because Jesus obeyed. See, and the fruit that's being produced in you is not fruit that's bringing glory to you, it's bringing glory to the Father. And the reflection that's coming through you, the type of fruit that's coming through you, is the reflection of Jesus. And so what happens in our life is this, is that we go through this process in order to be connected. And the reason why we are connected is so that we learn, we learn how to obey. Why? Because when we learn to obey, when we look into the loving arms of Jesus and we see him, what happens is that obedience becomes a fulfillment of joy for us. (laughs) And That seems a little bit contrary sometimes in our thinking, but it's the truth. And here's why. is because you're going to obey something. You're going to obey some principle or some pattern, something in your life. You're going to obey. But when God looks at us and says, I want you to be connected like Jesus, what he's saying is that I want you to obey something that is life-giving. Why? Because when you do, you're going to bear good fruit. You're going to bear good fruit. This fruit has a purpose. It glorifies the Father, but it also reflects the testimony of Jesus to the world around us. See, our fruit serves a big purpose. Our fruit serves a purpose that exceeds, it goes beyond us, it exceeds us, it goes into the world. We're actually bearing fruit to feed people, not just to stand up and look at what a beautiful tree we are. That fruit comes out and says, listen, and that's something that the world sees. They see it as a reflection of Jesus. So I want to talk really quick about three simple ways that we stay connected to Jesus. Three simple ways we stay connected to Jesus. It's great because Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. And he talks to them and he begins to instruct them and say, listen, I'm... I want you to live in this place where you are close. Where you are close and you're feeling that closeness. And as I read this, just this overwhelming sense, just it was like the Holy Spirit began to flood my heart. Began to fill my heart with the revelation of how much the Father loves us. And the desire in my own life to say, listen, I want to be connected to that source. I don't want to ever leave that source. I think so many things get answered as we stay connected to that source. We don't have to to begin to bend our belief system to fit around our experiences when we stay connected to the source. We stop justifying certain things like pain in our life and we begin to live connected to the source. And 
And I want to just, just passionately encourage you, just push this out to you and say, listen, for those of you that are brokenhearted right now, for those of you that are struggling with the pain or anything in your life, the answer is this, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but I just want to pull you into this beautiful truth that Jesus gave to his disciples and is looking at us and giving to us, connect into the source of life. And some of you, the first step of obedience is exactly what Pastor Ken said. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. You got to choose where you're going to plant your feet at. You got to believe it. Because Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, Listen, do you believe that I am? So many times in the gospel, do you believe that I am? Do you believe that he is your peace? Do you believe that He is the one who will care for your future? Do you believe that He is the one who is the lover of your soul? Do you believe that He is the one who is the healer? Then plant your feet there. Do you believe that He is the one who is greater than death? Then plant your feet there. Obey in that truth. Don't move off of it. Why? Because there is a revelation from the Holy Spirit coming And it's coming, and it's coming, and it's going to fill your heart with this truth that He is right here with you. And when you come into that place, the fulfillment of what Jesus said becomes true, and it's this, your joy will be complete. Okay, really quick first thing that we have to do is we have to guard the Word of God in our heart. In John 14, 23, Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and He will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus talked about the importance of keeping the Word of God close and choosing where we're going to obey Allowing our feet to be planted firmly in the place of obedience. And in order to do that, we must guard the Word of God in our heart. We must guard the Word of God in our heart. I think one of the greatest revelations we can come into as sons and daughters of God is that the Word of God is a loving, living letter. We begin to see it there when our eyes begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we begin to see the Word of God that way. It takes on a whole other dimension The obedience to the truth of God's Word becomes a joy. It becomes light. It becomes peace. But when Jesus talked about this in John 15, 16, and 17, the obedience that He was referring to and protecting the Word of God in His heart came specifically in the area of love. Is that God desired us, desires us to protect the value of love in us. And this is how he says it. He says, listen, this is the command that I give you. This is what I want you to obey. This is what I want you to guard. Get ready for it. Love one another. Love one another. Isn't it interesting is that Jesus is giving this final discourse here in these these chapters, these last chapters of John, that we see this, and the command that he wants us to walk away from with, the command that he wants us to stick to and to guard is this powerful command to love one another. Why do you think that is? See, I believe this. 
that if we can become a people filled with the love of God and learn to love one another, then the love of God can be reciprocating in our hearts. But I've never met a grumpy, uptight person, a closed-off, isolated person who can't love people and claims to love, the, love God and have the love of God in mean, it be real. I've never met Oscar the Grouch, you know what I'm saying, Christian, and like camped out in their personal trash can and in there. And the, like, I, love of God's all in me, but I hate people. Garbage. That's baloney. And here's why. Because when you're connected to the source of life, you're going to bear fruit, and that fruit does something. It brings glory to God, and it feeds other people. And when the love of God is in your life, it's going to come out by the way you love people. Some of you are in desperate relational situations, and let me encourage you to cling and hold on to the love of God. God. Let the love of God abound in your heart and give it away. Give it away when it's not easy. Give it away when it's hard. Give it away when you are done wrong. Give it away. Why? Because as you give it away, it grows and grows and grows and grows in a greater measure in your life. It's no accident that Jesus left this and he said, listen, this is the command that I want you to follow. Love one another. This is the command I want you to follow. Go to church every Sunday. Nope. Wear the right clothes. No, he didn't care. Ah. (laughs) Love one another. Love one another. Paul says it like this. I'm sorry. Paul doesn't say it like this yet. Number two, here's where Paul says it. Set your priorities correctly. (laughs) Jesus set the model for our priorities. If we're going to stay connected to God, we've got to guard the word of God. We've got to guard love in our hearts. We've got to guard love in our hearts. If we're going to stay connected to, to God, we've got to guard love. And we have to set our priorities correctly. So Jesus is in... Right before he's arrested, he's going to pray. And in Luke twenty two forty two, he prays this prayer. And it's interesting because Jesus brings his disciples with him. And there's a reason why. Because he wants his disciples to hear this prayer. He wants them to witness this interaction. This conversation he's having with his father. Because in his full deity, in his full humanity, he has a struggle. He has a struggle. I want you to see that. I want you to sense Jesus' humanity here and understand that in this place, in this moment, when it comes down to it, he's standing at the crossroads where he's about to go and do something that is physically painful and spiritually torturous. And so he brings his disciples along and he has this prayer session. The Bible says they're just a stone throw away. They can hear what he's saying. And in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, he says, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, But here's what I want you to hear. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Why did Jesus do this for him or for us? And the answer is yes. He did it for both of us. He did it for himself. He did it for us. He wanted us to see something in this moment. He was facing a decision on whose priorities mattered. 
Was it the priorities of his humanity? And some of us forget this because we just say Jesus was God, and so he just did it. He just did it. But no, he chose to do it. He chose to do it. And Jesus laid down the priority of himself and put the priority of his Father up first. And he says, listen, not my will, but your will be done. And one of the ways that we remain connected is by understanding that, if I could just say it bluntly, that our life is in our own. That the things that we desire have to take a second place to the things that, Je- that Jesus desires for us. Even though this isn't rocket science, uh, th- this thing with priorities is fierce in our life. Why? Because we understand the pull that priorities have in our life, and Jesus recognized them as temptation. Why? Because in this same conversation, he looked at his disciples and asked them to pray with them so that they would not succumb to temptation. And I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is laying out this very powerful principle about being connected to the Father, being in that place of what it really means to be in intimacy with the Father. And it comes down to a place where we begin to align our priorities with the Holy Spirit and not with the things that we just simply desire to do. Let me say it like this. We're not just fitting God into our life. We're allowing God to have the priority of our life. We're not isolating our decisions and saying that some are ours and some are his. But no, as sons and daughters, one of the principles that we can't get away from is this. That all of our things, all of our decisions are his. Our brother Kaya that was here a few weeks ago, uh, um, a month before that we went and we ate lunch. Kim and I went and ate lunch with him. And I was just asking him questions, just riddling questions. And he looked at me and he was talking about what it means to be a Christian. As one, he watched one of his friends hung because they wouldn't deny Jesus. And when the people that hung him asked him, and said, why will you not deny Jesus? And he said, because Jesus commands me to testify about him. And he looked at me and he said, if you're a Christian, you go to church. If you're a Christian, you tithe. If you're a Christian, you read the Bible. If you're a Christian, you tell people about Jesus. If you don't do those things, you're not a Christian. And immediately, conviction strung on my heart. And I'm not heaping anything up on you. But what I'm saying is this. If we're comfortable living within our own priorities, then we're not connected to the Father. If we're connected, if we claim to be connected, but we're comfortable living our own life, listen, it's not what Jesus did. It's not the model he gave us. And some of you, here's a beautiful revelation that's going to bring you life, is that simply allowing the Holy Spirit to rearrange those things is going to bring you joy. Why? Because you simply can't manage the priorities of your life. Everybody smile. Come on. You're going to get to go eat in a little bit. Paul Paul says it like this. I love you guys. I'm reading from the New King James Version on this passage in, in, in Galatians 2, 20 through 21. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, his righteousness. It, it, for it, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Here is what Paul's saying very simply. When I went to Christ, I gave it all over to him. It's all his. 
He sets the agenda. He sets the plan, the things that I say, the places I go, the things that I do. It's all His. I give it to Him. It's His. And what I want you to see is that that wasn't just a Jesus principle, but it was a New Testament principle. But he goes and he makes another powerful statement. And this is where, this is where I, want, I want to drive it home with this, this, this point here. Is that if you find yourself in a place like I have, and, and I do at certain points of my life where my priorities are getting a little bit mixed up, and, and, and I'm doing some of my own stuff, you have to understand that you can't rearrange it in your own power because Paul says this, listen, I'm not telling you this, this statement. I'm not making this big grandiose statement to say, listen, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Oh, by the faith in the Son of God, it's all me, it's all me. He's saying, listen, no, I don't say that in my own strength. It is the work of grace in me. And here is the point that if your priorities are out of line, then you better push into grace because it is the greatest gift Jesus has given us. And when we push into grace and say, God, I got it all mixed up. Will you please rearrange the priorities of my life? I want to know the joy that comes from making you first. The grace of God swoops in. Supernaturally gives us strength to do that. Man, he's good. Finally, Justin, come on up. We have to give it away. In John 17, Jesus prays. Verse 13 through 22, he says, I'm coming to you now. He's talking to the Father. Jesus is looking up and praying in front of the disciples out loud so the disciples will hear him. I assume their eyes are shut and their hands are folded and they're looking around and they kind of got one eye open, peeking up at Jesus as he stands in the middle of them. His hands are probably lifted and he's crying out to the Father as he prays what I'm about to read. He says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of, not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I was, I, I've sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. And then Jesus steps in and he changes his tone because he begins to pray past the disciples that walked with him for those three years that knew him and were side by side with him. And he begins to pray for us. In the same tone, in the same context, as if he wanted us to hear this prayer today. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Here's the point of being connected to Jesus, is so that... There's enough of the abundance of joy that comes from a relationship knowing, truly knowing Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We choose to to guard the things in our life, the Word that abides, the Word that lives, the Word that is greater than our circumstances and our experiences. We choose to set that Word as the first priority of our life. 
There comes a fullness of joy that becomes a testimony on this earth that others may see and that they might believe in the one who brings freedom. Jesus said this. He said, listen, I want you to to know that the ones that are coming in behind these guys, I want them to have the same fellowship, have the same revelation that my disciples here today are getting. I want them to know that, Father, you and I are one. I didn't go away off into the clouds someplace that they can't see, that they don't understand, but no. I want them to know that I'm seated right there at the right hand of the Father. I want them to know that as a truth that remains in them, that I intercede and I live to intercede for them. And I'm speaking their names. I'm speaking Andy's name before the Father every day. Look at your beloved son, Andy. Look at the one that you chose. Look at Andy. Fill him with your grace, Father. Let the revelation of your love fill Andy today. Let the revelation of your peace fill Andy today. Jesus is saying, I want them to know that we are one and that because they are in me, that they are also one with you, Father. So Jesus is saying, I just don't want Andy to know where I'm at. I want Andy to know where he's at. Because when Andy knows where he's at, he's going to walk a little differently in this earth. He's going to walk with the revelation that brings him joy that's so full that there's not anything that's going to come against him that is going to detour him from bearing the fruit of my name that sets people free. It's beautiful. This is the model that Jesus said. This is the joy that Jesus gave. This is the, the plan that Jesus gave us. Today, it's our choice to embrace that truth, to say, Jesus, and this isn't, this isn't a response that you do for a one-time thing. This morning, some of you may feel a little bit distant, and you need to say, Holy Spirit, just come. Just come and remind me. Draw me into that revelation that Jesus talked about of being close to the Father. Some of you, it may be your first time here that you're here today and you've never been in a place where you've known the love of God. And the love of God is only seen and shown through the Son, Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice that He made. And your decision today is to believe in that. It's just simple as saying, Jesus, I believe that what You did covers my sin. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Make me new. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank You for Your great love. Lord, right now I just declare and pray over every person here the revelation of Your love. Lord, let it be deep. Let it go far. Deep into areas of our heart, Lord God, that may be hurt, that may be broken. Lord, let it go past, Father God, some of the things that we've held up in opposition. Father, I know this morning there are folks like me that just need to humble our hearts and say, Jesus, just we need you to be the first priority of our life. We need to rearrange those things. 
So Holy Spirit, come in grace. Right now, where you sit, if that's you, let that be your confession right now. If you need to allow the Holy Spirit to rearrange some priorities. Some of you this morning, your confession needs to be, I need to have a fresh revelation of the love of the Father for me. And again, we just declare your grace. Your grace over every person. Father, we pray that as, Lord, we stay connected to you, Jesus, as we stay connected to you, Lord, let life spring up. Lord, I just pray a a bold declaration, Lord. I know there's some folks with some dead areas here. Lord, I just declare a bold declaration that you're beginning to spring forth life. Lord, you're taking those those dry, dead areas and you're just sprinkling it with the, the water and the life of who you are. You're tilling up that hard area and you're allowing life and love to come in. Lord, let the revelation of the love of the Father saturate. Saturate those areas. Father, we thank You. We thank You. This is who You are in goodness. This is who You are in truth. That You are the good Father. That You are true. We thank You for that, Lord. We recognize who we are, who You are, and we believe. And we believe in You. We thank You for that, Jesus. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet, please? Wow. Listen. God is so good. God is so good. Today, let's make a decision that the revelation of the love of God is making our joy complete. Okay? Let's make a decision. Let's make a decision that Jesus in you, our joy is complete. We're not looking around us. We're not looking at what we're walking through. We're not looking at what we're in the middle of right now. We're looking to you because we're connected to you. Jesus, our joy is complete in you. Our joy is complete. I just declare that over you. <laughs> Your joy is complete in the name of Jesus. That's one I want to, I know sometimes I'm saying a lot. I know it's okay, but just hold on because there's people here that need to hear this. All right. I want to declare hope to you in the name of Jesus. Some of you don't see hope, but you've looked down. You need to look up in the name of Jesus right now. You need to look up because the one you are connected to is hope and he is life. He is the source of life. Now, listen, I declare hope in the name of Jesus. Hope. Tomorrow is going to be better In the name of Jesus, all right? Amen, amen. Let's just praise the Lord.